0: But overall, I just, I just remember that with just such love and light and growth and excitement and freedom. Don't you know that the music should be
1: solemn? This is Theo Rossi. This is Kim Coates. And this is Theory. You know, I'm drinking a tea right now and the tea bag, which you're familiar with, you're familiar with that said, look, your actions prove your greatness. Oh, my
2: God. Are you in an Airbnb like you and Meg go to and they have all these coffee cups like, you know, surrounding you? Did you bring that from home, son?
1: No, this is in the place I'm staying and your actions prove your greatness is good because this is an action packed episode.
2: In fact, it's so action-packed, I've got this to celebrate who we've got on to talk to today on our Isn't final Reaper chat Chat about.
1: The final Reaper rap. Yeah, it is the final Reaper rap. And there is only one person you could have for the final Reaper rap. Hey. Is that? The son of energy.
2: <laughs> the son who was number one on that The son who was awesome. number
1: one. And, uh, and this is a big one. I mean, we've been watching him for two years. And a half. Two and a half years. Holy we shit. worked with him for almost eight. 17 years, it felt like. 17 years. Minus 10. Seven fucking years, Theo. Whoa. Every time we do something, there he is. Bigger than life. Bigger than life. Handsome mofo. Handsome as the day is long. And... I mean, if anybody's got the story of the stories, it's him. I mean, I'm look at my
2: face. I'm just so fucking excited. A, we're almost done. And Charlie, you know, come on, he's kind of like the the ribbon on the present. He's the icing on the cake. He's what you and I talked about two and a half years ago. And now here we are. Where did here that time are.
1: go, son? Where did the time Where did go? It go, son? The last and final, nobody's around anymore. There's a few people left. (laughs) This room is brighter than a Broadway stage.
2: (laughs) I've got the perfect lighting here. you got the
1: perfect lighting. No one cares about the lighting. He's going to look great if he was in the dark. (laughs) No shit. No No shit. shit. And... This is it. I mean, you know, you know, I'm I'm not even going to ask a ton of questions because I'm just so curious because I have like, sometimes you like warp history in your head. Like, I kind of remember how he got it, but I don't remember. And then, and he's the one, like, he held that weight of everything. I don't know how he did it.
2: I don't know how he did it. You know how some shows like Friends, it's all about all of them, all six, all leads, yeah. all blah blah blah, right? You have an ensemble cast. It's all ten, all ten. We had that Charlie Hunnam, Katie Ron for sure, but him. and then you know the Maggie, the Opie, you, me, Booney for sure, yeah. and then Nero comes in. Uh, sure. You know, want on and on. But Charlie, he pretty much put the whole show on his back that seventh season.
1: He was um, exhausted at the end.
2: Oh God. <laughs> He might still be exhausted. He I mean, still be. We're gonna have to fucking ask him. Are you sleeping, son? Like, <laughs> were you there on his last night? No,
1: nobody was. No, so it mean. was.
2: It was. Well, we weren't really allowed. If you remember, it was literally him on that motorcycle yeah. in the daytime on the road. They were. They were doing. there were. There was uh, dolly. There was cameras in the in the sky. We weren't allowed. No one was allowed to come. It was a complete, complete closed set.
1: Well, before the man joins us, um, how you doing, pal? Where are you? You're in uh, the I'm great I'm good in Northwest. Western Canada,
2: hanging out in my one of my hovels here. And I'm yeah. going to Saskatoon soon to see my ma, my 92-year-old Ooh. ma. You were there recently? I was, and now I'm going back. She's moving into an assisted living She's ready. She's ready to go. Super strong up here. A little weaker in the body. Is that the uh, she house you may- grew up in? Yeah. House, yes. I, I, house I grew up in. 63 years, man.
1: Guess what? My mom's selling the one I grew up in. No, no,
2: no. I love yeah. that house. I know. Is
1: she? Yeah. Mary Jane? Dom? Yeah. yeah, it's on the market. Where's she going to go, bro? It's like a, an over 55 yeah. kind of thing. This is what happens.
2: We talked about that, Theo. You and me, we fucking did. We thought talk, we talked about our moms, and my mom's older than yours. Oh well, it's time, hey?
1: Okay? Yeah, you think you in, you did they have like shuffleboard and like boxes? Oh yeah, like, what do you do with these things?
2: Yeah, beanbag toss. They have, I think they have, you know, Margarita Tuesdays. They got open wine Fridays. They got bands yeah. coming in once a week. Are you kidding? Mom's gonna have more fun than she's ever known in her life.
1: Well, guess what? The time has come. I'm bringing in our brother. Hold on Um, one sec.
2: God.
1: You are admitted. Let's see if the cameras all go. Let's see if we can make it work. Let's see if we can make it work. We're all in wildly different locations. It's coming. Let's see. I, I see a name. I see a name. But you're on West Coast. Oh. Oh my
2: God!
0: You two beautiful bastards. <laughs> What's going on?
1: What's going on? What's going on? We're wrapping up this two and a half year journey. That came so? Out tell
0: November. me, tell me all about it. You maniacs decided to watch no. every episode. Is yeah. that what happened? Yeah. Can you fucking love, believe that,
2: Can you believe that?
0: Operation in the midst of pandemic life, you just said, let's let's rip the Band-Aid off this old <laughs>
1: wound. No, no. Long story, super short. Somebody had asked me, I was yeah. in LA, somebody, you know, this company had asked me to do a podcast. They wanted me to do all these things and talk to people and do whatever. I did about three of them. I hated it. I despised it. I said, did I don't want to do
0: one with anything. you. No. We just stuff
1: just like legends I, like people in the business like from boxing and acting and all this and I was doing it and I was like I don't fucking find any of this interesting at all. Mm-hmm. It was not interesting to me. It was not going well. So I called Kim up and I and I did it with him and I had a blast.
2: Big mistake,
1: Charlie. Big mistake
2: for me to commit for the I thought it would be a one-off, maybe a week of it, maybe 12 days. Uh-uh. Every so can-
0: single you you jumped right in on Sons at that point? No, you no. We were just judge-
1: bullshitting. We were just talking. And then we kind of said, hey, you know, I'd seen the episodes, but I never – there was some I didn't see. There were some, you know, we always saw premieres and finales. And people just were always talking about things. And I said, man, I've checked out. Like, I don't even remember any – like, I'm, we were both, like, blacked out on. We were like, what happened in this and what happened with – Hey, maybe we should watch it. That would be funny. Let's watch it and talk about it. We'll do a few and we'll do them at random. And then people are like, you can't do them random because most of the episodes we would record, we'd go, how did, why did he kill that person? What happened before that? Like, that doesn't make sense. So then people said, do it in order. We started after season three going in order and we got fucking hooked and we're so far removed from it. And we basically talked shit. We loved, we cried. We did everything that you can do with this show. Full in-
2: disclosure, Hanum. Full disclosure, man. Full
1: disclosure. We didn't hold anything back. And so are you was
0: almost doing like a commentary as it plays live? No, we watch watched it, it and you're doing a post analysis. Correct. Correct.
1: And it wow. was fucking amazing. It made me a better actor, it made me a better person, it made me release yeah. something that i had in me you had that nowhere I needed, where to like, go
2: but up theo nowhere to go but up trust me that's really good <laughs> yeah yeah it's a pretty courageous thing to do i gotta say to
0: just open that up i mean that was i mean, you were a little further on coatsy you know and yeah. you just in your career and life felt it was like university you know we grew i mean we learn as much as we know which i'm still you know doubtful as much but whatever <laughs> we did learn i think we learned on that show you and me Theo.
1: Oh, and it was Kim's first show ever, like his first like long show on a,
2: on a TV show. Charlie, do you remember that first day when Ron and I were brought in for the reshoot? We were doing mug shots. Ron and I had to do our mug shots for the wall. And and I just remember you were doing this. I remember Green Street Hooligans and I, I just, you know, such a fucking fan. And you were just like, I don't know, were you 17? Were you 24? How old were you, Charlie, when we started? You were a baby. What year did we start? 2007?
0: 2008, eight. early oh, 08. I was born 80, so 20. Figured out. Okay.
1: Fuck. And so, and yeah. How old are I, uh, I was born in 75. So what is that? Uh, 28 plus, plus five, 32, yeah, 33. True. But here's here's the craziest shit because I still did none of this makes sense to me because it's almost like revisionist history in your head. I. Me and Amelia. Amelia was just on the show. Everybody's done the show. The, the, like Maggie was like out of nowhere, like from a, an, an attic somewhere. And Tommy's In done it like, three times. And So then you, all- would,
0: you would all watch the episode so no. independently and then get together and discuss it? Or sometimes nope. they wouldn't have even watched the episode?
1: No episode. Just talk. Or just just talk.
0: talk. I see. So these things are just talk.
1: Yeah. Just experience. Just like now that we're so far removed, now that we've all done a million things now that we kind of look back on it, what did you feel? And like, even when Ron was on, like all the salt was gone, we were prepared and Ron was like the polar opposite. Like it was just like, it was like a therapy session. It was, it was beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. And Maggie's was so interesting because we had never heard from her or talked about it. Have you Charlie, have you talked to Maggie?
0: Yeah. We keep in contact a little bit. She was running this great, um, This great, she's involved in the prison thing, right? Mm -hmm. That that prison charity thing, bringing performing arts basically into the prison system. So I saw her a few times during that, during those events, and then a few times after. But she went, they all went to the East Coast. And, you know, so it was just a couple of text messages a year, you know, around the holidays or just, you know, mid-year just to say hi. But I haven't seen her in a long, long time.
1: The last time I saw her in person had to be when we all went to that play, whenever that was, that was... Right. A million years a ago lot for me yeah, yeah yeah
2: Charlie does it does it does it feel Charlie like it's been eight years ago that we wrapped that does it does it feel like that to you I mean I think in ways
0: it really does I mean it feels like a long time ago I mean what does eight years feel like you know it's certainly you know at least six years the last two years have sort of evaporated <laughs> into this nebulous yeah. non- non-time but uh yeah I mean it does You know, I went to a couple of Comic-Cons recently for the first time and sort of was exposed to the fan base and people wanting to talk about that for the first time in a long time. And and as always, I was just filled with warmth and joy and, you know, delight to see you guys, CCO. And I saw a couple of the guys, Emilio and Ryan. To me, that was just, although it was mayhem to shoot, and there were a couple of seasons in the middle of it that I got a little sort of sort of dark in the experience, felt, you know, a little contained. But overall, I just I just remember that with just such love and light and growth and excitement and freedom. You know, we were all working from home. We all well, you know, became yeah. home for you, Theo. Yeah. We all loved each other. You know, there was something just so pure. It really was for me. And I think for all of us in that experience feels like a once in a lifetime experience to have it, that
1: depth. It will of- never be anything like that again. And, you know, we've all gone on and done other shows. There was something about the magic that it, it, regardless of the chaos, there was something happening. It was the before world of smartphones. It was the before world of many things in the business. And it was just this. Do you remember that, Charlie? We never had our phones those first three, four years. We we were farting around the campfire. We were yeah. on our bikes
2: waiting for the next sh- shoot, the next setup, talking about, you know, so- soccer or football or something. Smoking and a football And in, in, in what I think that
0: we have to remember is that, is that it was a fairly precedent-breaking production schedule that we employed. We shot that show in eight days where always traditionally those type of hour long episodic shows would be shot over 10 days. That had the sort of production value and, you know, aspiration that we did to be a sort of a big glossy show. And we proved that we could do that in that first year. And once you prove you do it, you can do it. Then there's no reason to break, you know, to change and add that extra expense of, of extra days. So. That was the thing, too. I mean, I think that we were all delighted to be there, but we also just didn't have time to rest, didn't have time to really engage in the outside worlds, you know? Kurt no. wrote progressively more and more really high-stakes stuff. We were talking about it the other day, I think, mm-hmm. Theo and I, the Comic-Con panel. That sort of alchemy of his writing, where he really, there's like a pulpiness to it and a larger-than-life um landscape that he plays or architecture that large architecture that he allows himself dramatically but then the essence of it the playing of it he wants to be really really grounded so he put us all in a lot of positions of having to really dig deep and bring it you know and then you you know go on to the next scene and shoot seven scenes in a day so and
1: and you you're we were just talking about it before you got on like and i'm and i'm telling you this you know not just as a brother and whatever like i've never seen you you were there all the time like we would come in and out you were always there like it was almost like you slept there i remember one time we're trying to get a gym there just to have something of an outlet in in whatever and i said you must have been so exhausted at the end of it but when we go back to the beginning of it i remember me and emilio just talked about this we had gotten the show because we Kim Kim wasn't around for the wildly different pilot we did with Scott Glenn and a table and phones in the boxes, just a wildly different <laughs> thing. But gun, even gun, before that, up. yeah, we went to motorcycle training. You remember the guy you hit with the pool cue was training us on those motorcycles. Damn it! Damn it!
0: Yeah, and, and I
1: rem I remember. Because I had read for every role in the show, and I had gotten the show, and I was like, hey, who's playing Jax? And it's so weird the way life works when you look back. I was living in this apartment in West Hollywood, and I had just watched Green Street Hooligans, and it was immediately, like, my favorite movie. And I remember – so on, good. So good. I remember it was La Brea or Fairfax in front of some comedy club. There was the benches with you and Elijah on it. Like they're, oh, they, Yeah. Remember, they had like benches with your with your heads like on it, like like that was the way the
0: on La Cienega,
1: on La Cienega. That was it
0: by, by that, like, uh, yeah, comedy venue or bar, yeah. or whatever it was, the the offices of the production company that made that film were called Odd Lot Entertainment out of Chicago, a lady called wow. Gigi Pritzker and Deborah Del Pret man, my memory's good today.
1: Uh, <laughs> ran,
0: ran this outfit, two great, you know, producers and they had their offices in that same sort of, whatever it is, that configuration of office space that they had there. So yeah, they 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 held that poster up there. Yeah, it was like first. on like the poster, beyond, on the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I remember thinking this fucking movie is phenomenal. And then you got the role and and like, they told me like, he's the one playing. I was like, holy shit. And then we all met it when we were, the motorcycles they gave us were like a dirt bike and then some like 600 pound
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like soft tail like yeah. chromed out yeah
1: gave you harleys back then that's so bizarre. with like floorboards and they're like all right uh, go get them guys and we were like uh, me i was like I-, I have a license but i don't know how to fucking ride so then fast forward we're doing that pilot and amelia when i was just talking about it they were like Gonna reshoot the pilot, and two people are gone. And I was like, definitely me. I'm out. That's okay.
0: <laughs> I just assumed it was you and me. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's I no way it was Scott. one of the leads, and yeah. I'm like, Well, I'm pretty sure it's not Katie.
1: Definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely yes, not well, Scott Glenn. It.
0: Call it intuition. Uh, <laughs> so it's me or Scott Glenn, and like Scott Glenn is a legend, so right. I was. I was convinced I was getting. Oh my
1: tired. God, Charlie. We're yeah. freaking out. I'm like, that's it. And it took so long. I was like, okay, I'm out. Emilio's. And I'm like, Emilio, you're safe because you're with Scott and Scott's not going anywhere. So because he, you know, fucking drugstore, cal- whatever, Rhinestone cowboy or whatever, yeah. that urban cowboy. Oh. I was like, like, he's not going. Urban's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Urban's fine. We're gone. I'm gone. And then all of a sudden, when that happened, they're like, Your character's changing. This is happening. Jax is staying. Clay's gone. I was like, What the fuck is happening? And then these two bozos get brought in. And I'm like, It's the guy from Waterworld.
0: Because Emilio was initially playing Tig. Yeah. He was Hawk? Hawk. Yeah. Man, I'm not going to try to remember anything else because I I can't. I thought I was going to really... I was nervous coming on here. I was like, I'm not going to remember anything. (laughs) I remember it It's going to be a disaster. I'm I'm not going to try to recall anything else because I'm... Did they they call
2: you, Charlie? Did they let you know what was going on? I heard
0: the rumblings. I heard heard the the, the Hollywood rumor mill. We heard that (laughs) someone... We heard one of the main three was getting the (sighs) axe. And I just... I literally said, all right, you know, that was a beautiful dream. Let's just, I said to my, you know, to my people, let's keep on rolling. Let's like find something fast. You know, I need to go to work. (laughs) I was already making other plans. And then I probably heard, it was probably three days or something that we were left in limbo. And then we heard what was actually happening. Yeah. And then, and then went to work.
1: And, and, and from then on in, the entire world changed. and I can imagine that your existence. Because I always tell the story when we went to our first love ride. And you, you remember Do you remember that? Do you remember that,
2: Charlie? When you, you yeah, well, when well, you well. walked out, it was like the red sea split. Like people, that was
1: our first time people had seen us out together. We were at the love. That one ride. went to
2: Eagles Nest.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, right?
2: Maybe when we got our bikes, or we were looking at those uh, bikes. Maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was mayhem.
2: We stopped. We world. stepped off the bus. You remember that, Charlie?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and Tommy yeah. had no idea. It's amazing. He got on the plane. He didn't even have a driver's license. And we moved <laughs> he didn't even. You
0: thought we were going to shoot a scene? Didn't even. Yeah, know where we were going.
2: shooting. And <laughs> two sheets to the wind. And we just please, we begged them to let him on. They they let him on, and we dragged him on the plane. We got on that bus, and everyone came out, and they were all kind. of, And then you came out, and it's like I don't know Charlton Heston in, in the fucking you know like
1: some <laughs> no, movie. With Moses, with the fucking C-split. Tommy, sh- Tommy asked the TSA people to Google him. That's what he was saying to them. And, <laughs> and then, but when did you like, because your journey is significantly different. Oh, we all have this whole thing with the show, but you, what was, like, when did you know something? When when were you like, okay, this is fucking way different than anything I'd done?
0: I had a really, really, really strong feeling. It's funny I had taken off I had just come off a period where I had was really really frustrated. I'd gotten close to getting a couple of big jobs and being a director's choice, but then the studios didn't feel like I had a bit enough you know name recognition you know to bank whatever you know budget it was on my back and so I got really, really frustrated, and even back then was really serious about trying to pursue writing, so i'd taken um I think I literally had like, I'd call it nine months of money before I was going to have to sell my house and everything was going to go wrong. And I said, I'm going to take six months of that and write the script, just not going to leave the house. And I wrote that script and, you know, by the grace of God, ended up selling it and then was feeling great and and had this sort of moment of transition where I was starting to get taken seriously as a writer and had some opportunities to pursue that more. Or I had basically four months of scripts neglected sitting on my script on my desk, and I thought, let me just see how I feel. I'll read a couple. And Sons of Anarchy had just come in, and it was the thinnest because it was the only TV script they asked for movies. And I said, let's just pick it. Let's just pick it up. And I just had—I don't know if you guys have ever had that feeling of like, you know, meeting fate at the crossroads or something. I just sort of felt like I. Desper- like I want to do this and I I had an intuition, like a feeling that was probably not linear or clear of what that expect the promise that 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 experience held, you know that that project held you know because I thought great group of guys on bikes, this outlaw thing. I've never seen it before. it's sexy, it's well written and then there's just this like sort of iconic hero's journey, tragic Hamlet sort of narrative, yeah. the center of it. And so I transitioned immediately from not knowing if I wanted to go back to acting to like, I have to get this. And I did this like amazing, that I was like a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, late to reading this, that sent it to me. But Kurt, when he was writing it, had also seen Green Street Hooligans and had me as a sort of general idea in the back of his mind when he started writing then he sort of by the time he was casting six months later he had sort of forgotten that went through a couple rounds of of, of reading people wasn't finding what he wanted and had like a moment where he went ah oh, what about that kid from that movie i was thinking about him to begin with and so he had asked to meet me through two or three weeks had gone by when i was sort of trying to finish this script and saying listen i'm not doing anything until i finish this thing it's like literally been 120 hours a week dedicated <clears> to my <throat> life like i have to finish and so So then anyway, I I knew that there was only a very, very small amount of time where I could get myself back in the game on this. I said, have they cast anyone? They said, no, but they're really serious. You're coming in late. And I said, give me like two, three days. And I just obsessively read it and read it and read it. I went in and met Kurt and John and just read one scene. And they said, we'd like to take you to the studio tomorrow. So I stayed up like, it's kind of hokey, but I just... At that point, I don't know. Like I don't think I'd ever become so feverish about wanting something before, but I couldn't sleep the night before. So I went up onto the roof and I told this story Get the story. Yeah, you that told movie.
2: I've heard this. It's fucking yeah, I don't crazy. know the story. <laughs>
0: So then it's I go up onto the story. roof and I'm just like doing one of those meditation things where you know the scene so well, but I just decided to act it out and play it in different ways and just play the scene a bunch of times. But I decided to go up onto the roof, you know, probably smoke a couple joints while I was Not doing it and just do like a really, like a solitary meditative acting exercise for a couple of hours.
1: There's been and, some good photo shoots on that roof. I've seen some great <laughs> photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's right. Garrett is a cowboy. Yeah. Or yeah. um, <laughs> Garrett is a cowboy. Um, mm-hmm. And so then anyway, I did this thing and then i said a little prayer and this is you know like i said kind of sounds hokey but i opened my eyes as i like released this prayer and like the most vivid shooting star went like streaking sh- oh, sh- 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 across the sky I swear to god and i went all right i, I feel like this is mm-hmm. gonna go well and so i went the next day and the um thing because there was like a there was a strike going on, so we couldn't meet at any of the studios. So we had to do the audition at, at CAA, which was Kurt's, uh, no, sorry, ICM, which was Kurt's agency. So I got there like 20 minutes early, whatever, I'm down in the parking lot and it's really quiet. I'm like, I must be an off day or something to do with these strikes. And I walk up and somehow there's a door open. I walk up out to the main office and I used to be represented there too. So I know the office and the entire building is empty. And that's it's when I realized that CAA, ICM has moved. And so then <laughs> when I go in, I'm like, I got a shooting star on my side. Like I literally like this can't like it's mine to lose. I can't, I can't lose this unless I show up an hour and 20 minutes late. Cause I like, went to the wrong venue. So.
1: Fuck. Yeah. So you got to the right place and did they did you go to the right place? ICM
2: building? Hunnam?
0: I got into the right place and they were all there a little impatient. I walked into a little bit of a, a brittle room initially cause they were all a little bit impatient. And then, uh, we read the scene and they all looked at each other and John Langraff said, congratulations. And I went, all right, uh, well, thanks, you know, um, and got up to leave. Like, I thought he meant congratulations. You did a nice job. And yeah. he went, no, no, hold on, son. Like, I'm, I'm offering you the job. And I went, no, oh, And right. right on. In that case, thank you very much, sir. <laughs>
1: So, so everything is pointing to it. That's fucking incredible. I've never heard that. And, and now you're there, you get it right. You're like, okay, here we go. We don't, but we don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Right. We go through everything we just said, we reshoot the pilot, we go, whatever. And then they go, we're going to give you that one season to start. Right. That's what they told us. We kind of didn't premiere fantastic, but the one thing we knew right away and we talk about it all the time. I was like, there's something different here. Like everybody's, different like these are all character actors like you don't really see this like the way the the sheer there was like power behind it like something was happening and i thought even if this doesn't last this is already the greatest experience i've ever had yeah and and i think season one always seems a little weird to me i kind of don't remember it and you know we've talked about it too here i mean those first three seasons for me were i was a fucking maniac and a different person and uh and and then when kim and them come on and then everything starts at what point we always say that when gemma that episode that gemma got uh assaulted by the white supremacist sure. premiere that sure. was kind of when i went oh this is different like people are talking about this right
0: that was year one was that, that was season the one? first one yeah. year two. Season two. yeah that's right that's what i thought beginning of season two yeah Yeah. No, I remember that. I remember uh, reading, not even thinking about like what people would think, but just being a little bit amazed, like, oh, wow. You know, it's not like we just sort of started with a bang and are going to, you know, plateau into a, you know, more sort of consistently accessible place. Like we're going to keep upping the ante, you know
2: no no no, not only do we do that, Charlie. I don't know if you' like, we had Dominic begonia on your biggest fan. Oh. Dom came on, and of course he told us some stories that he was allowed to tell. and Dom got to know you really well and Dom says, after our first show, the pilot was shown. then we were up against Sarah Palin and remember they announced her as the VP running mate, right? And we and, had no ratings and our ratings didn't crash. They didn't really go up, but they kind of held their own, like $1.3 or something for that Tuesday night. And Dom tells a story where Landgraf, who was smart enough to hire you on the spot, Landgraf comes walking down the hall. And when he heard the numbers from John and Dom, he fell to his knees and went, thank fucking Christ. So he knew that if we didn't lose, it didn't matter that we, but all of a sudden, Charlie, and you knew this, we started going like that. And we just kept going like we never that. went
1: down till the last week. And we years. never
2: went down, not one week. So that's pretty incredible, don't you think, Charlie? Through the whole life of the, the show. The whole life of the Correct. show. Yeah, Dom
1: Pergone told us. We, never we once. grew
0: episode to episode, season to season, in a progressive never. rise. Never went down. down. God.
1: Never. He said it's the only show he's ever seen do that.
0: Wow, is that right? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, because they started adding live plus threes and live plus fifteens. And when you put all the cumulative numbers together, we never, ever, ever went down. The show was more popular when it ended than it ever was. Isn't that amazing, Charlie? Mm. And Hunnam, I mean, I got to ask you this and I never ask anyone, but
2: I'm going to ask you. Let's just jump all over that final mm. season, Charlie, which Theo and I have just finished. We have one left. It's you and then the final show and we're done. We we've, we're at the top of the mountain right now. Hunnam. How did you learn all those lines? I hate it when people ask me that because they just don't have anything to do. Forget about how fucking brilliant you are as an actor. I don't know to this day, after seeing those shows, Charlie, you had all of us on your fucking back. I was on the phone, you would go, Tig, call, you know, not you had paragraph upon what the fuck, dude?
0: I don't know. I don't know. I know that I had to work a lot on dialect. So first, oh God, Charlie. the whole process became sort of integrated into one, but to begin with, you know, in those early seasons, I had to work so much on the dialect, trying to learn right. how to do American. I really didn't do that well in those first couple of seasons, but the, I did so much dialect work that by the time I was done doing the dialect work, I usually, le- I knew the lines anyway. So, but right. you know, I was young, I was young and I'm not sure it would be as easy now as it was then i don't think it
1: was it it all consuming like it was all consuming right like for you when we were filming
0: yeah you know in the best way in the way that i like surrendered to and was like happily volunteered to it being all consuming i wanted it to be and so i allowed it to be you know but you're for that six months and then usually always like the you know, months of decompression to come down from that pace of <clears> work and the experience and the madness of it and the living of it. I mean, we all, I, I feel like that was something that was, you know, really unique to the show and to the scenario that we were shooting it. And I think to a large extent, the people that they identified as the right people to bring these characters to life. Yeah. That I, I felt like we all lived it. I felt yeah, like we were all
1: of us. It, you yeah. know?
0: There was such a marriage of, you know, Coates and Tig, you know, and Theo and Juice and me and Jax that by the end, it just felt like all one thing, you know, for that six and a half months that we shot the show.
1: Yeah. And I don't and I and I tried to wrestle with this. I don't think you could ever do that on any other show, because like if you're playing, you know, like a, a. like a game of thrones you can't you know walk around with a sword and slay dragons right and if you're a police officer you can't go around arresting people like we were in this really unique situation where we would be together riding bikes going to bars like going out going on vacation going on trips being together and like it was it intertwined with who we were in a way yeah. for the time we were filming like we would leave work all together you know go to your house and go there go to dayton's all the time and yeah. it was you it, couldn't do that with anything else it was just yeah. very unique into what it was no so true but was.
2: charlie did you did you feel it all charlie because you're you're the one guy to ask this too i mean those first two seasons maybe three we were doing dinners we got the happy ending we were hanging out we were doing our thing and then all of a sudden, when things got, maybe it was the death of, of Opie. I, I don't really remember, Charlie. But I just remember when things started to get heavy on that show. Like, heavy. Really heavy. Did you feel that at all, Charlie, or, or, or not? Like
0: I did. I mean, again, intersection of life and art. I mean, as you all know, my father passed right before we started shooting scene yeah. five, and that yep. coincided yep. in art, you know, life, intersection in the way that, you know, it informs each other always, you know, if you're putting your heart and soul into what you do. But I think, you know, I think that was a very peculiar year in my life and a heavy year. And there was a lot of, you know, trauma to deal with. And it was at the time that the show, you know, Kurt was going to ramp up, you know, basically, you know, set up what was going to be the final two seasons, which was him, you know, we were always going to go out in a rain of fire you know this thing it was never going to go we were never going to go gently into the night so I think it was a combination of those things I think there was probably not pressure on us to continue to succeed because it felt like we knew what the show was and everybody just was so certain that Kurt was so invested in going to land this thing but you know it became really successful in those last few years too so there felt like there was probably more Eyeballs on us, you know. I, I felt like, you know, we got away with a lot and they allowed us to live our little fantasy of, you know, of what of of living that life. But we were pretty badly behaved on that set, whilst being hyper professional. But, you know, you know, I think I felt there was a little bit more pressure towards the end that listen, we're a massive money-making juggernaut right now. You guys can't be acting the fool.
2: No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That that definitely. Yeah, we had we had bodyguards.
2: We had that when that gate opened, there was hundred <laughs> bodyguards. It, <laughs> no, yeah, come on, Charlie. We did. And right, you I, know, had machine guns. Come on, of course we you did, Charlie Haney. you playing fucking Jacks Teller. Of course you did. And we I couldn't know. even pull off to those fucking gates, Charlie, on our bikes. No, I know. Look.
0: Listen, we don't need <laughs> to go into it, but we do need to give a little bit of like context for this bodyguard because I sort of said listen i this is a little silly, like. Guys, I really don't need a bodyguard. Like with all the was like no, no, no. Your behavior hasn't been ideal, and he's there to keep you in check if you act naughty. And I went, ah, right. So he's a chaperone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go,
2: son. They were there all
1: you. and and then after you know there was a kerfuffle right with uh, with a, with some people, and then next thing you know there was something said and. I remember we were told one day, Kim and I were talking as we were going into work and somebody said, hey, we just got to be careful. You know, they were worried about like a potential of a drive by or something. I looked at Kim and go, I'm what? a fucking actor. I said, what the fuck is going on? They were worried that we were going to be in a certain area and that somebody would be angry about something that was said. And I was like, what the fuck is well, happening? There
0: was, the, there was that area that we used to shoot in a lot. And then yeah. it was clear that we really weren't welcome in that area right? We and then we that's why we moved and found new locations right
1: yeah yeah and um, i remember thinking okay okay what the fuck is going you know it was like we were doing this thing and then all of a sudden everything started like coming together and again i do think when opie left that was the first we all talk about it right that was that wake-up call of like oh this is going to end this is not forever and I think we've all said this when it ended, like we all needed it to end. But now, looking back, I realize how incredibly special it was and how it led, like how we say Green Street Hooligans led to that, right? Technically, right? Kurt saw it, everybody had seen it, there was this thing, and then that led to that. This has led to so many things, not just like family, children, you know, work and all that but also like friendship and to notice that there's something in this business that is so incredibly unique that is a one time thing it's a one time offer i'm not saying it can happen again it's just the age the time the the period the the it just it can't happen like that again yeah and i have so much respect for it where it took me years to kind of look at that back mm-hmm. and maybe it's the mushrooms but it was definitely that <laughs> that did it no,
0: man, I think we were fortunate. Listen, I, I hear, I hear like those, I, I hear those, um, a lot of the the guys on Game of Thrones, you know, they were all shooting in different places, but, you know, particularly the crew that were in Belfast, I think had a really amazing experience too. I mean, I think that these things do happen. You just, you know, you're just really fortunate and blessed if you're, you know, part of one of these things that comes together in this way. And I do think it'd just be a shining jewel, and you know, peer in the different chapters of our lives. You know that one feels like a collective shining jewel.
2: Well, and and Charlie, to your point, I remember I wasn't part of this talkative group because I never watched Game of Thrones. But I remember when it started, and you and if Ryan and the- we were all over it. You were all over talking about it, and then I heard that they were saying the same things about Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. So, I remember, do you remember that, Charlie? There was like five shows that were just starting to explode on cable, and we were one of those shows.
0: And no, we, we we had the we had this moment in Belfast because right when I finished, right when we wrapped, I went and did two films back to back. I went to King Arthur and then I went to Lost City of Z, and we were shooting Lost City of Z in Belfast. And so the last season of the show at that point was just about to air. You know, because I think the UK was a little bit behind and we, uh, and there was a restaurant that I was living close to. And I didn't know that actually the apartment complex that I was there. A bunch of them. Dinklage was my next door neighbor, although I only wow. found that Fucking out later. It. But I went into a restaurant one day and they were all there and we had the SOA Game of Thrones love fest. But <laughs> <So> I knew <laughs> that, that a bunch of them had been watching the show and dug it. So <laughs> <and> i not obviously heaped <laughs> out.
1: How did your, how did your like life, like, cause you were always like, you're a private person by nature and all that. So to have, and you're like a true artist in every way to have that overwhelming sense of like, okay, now everyone knows who you are. Now everyone, like there's this relationship. Did that like reverse you or did it make you like, how did you, cause that's a tough thing. Cause they say there's a million books that teach you how to be successful, but there's no books that tell you how to handle success. Right. Yeah. There's there's none. So I've always found that really interesting when that happens, how our minds, bodies like react to that, like that moment of like, oh, I mean, you at your one of your old spots, I mean, there was a graffiti portrait of you in the alleyway. That was, I mean, if anybody knows what that is, it was <laughs> wild.
0: You know, I think that everybody is all human beings are very odd in our own ways. You know, my particular brand of oddness that it took me a long time to be able to, you know, articulate what it is and to understand it. But I was just born not like sort of like not feeling involved in the world, but like I was born with like an odd 10,000 foot perspective where I've always looked at the world from back here and almost like to put a name to it, although I would have never been able to do this at the in my youth when I thought I was a, a strange person because of this, but like almost had like an anthropological viewpoint on the world. So to when I started having to deal with fame, I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing to experience in the gamut of things to experience as a human being. But it's like, am I even me? You know, like, let alone, am I even the person that these people think is great or terrible either which way it's of little consequence to me now i'm not saying that when i go out into the street and someone who's like that i vibe with is super cool is really lovely to me because they like something that i don't take enjoyment for that or feel some sense of swell of pride or whatever but i had a very sort of this isn't happening to me viewpoint of it. And I've always been very private. And I really just really like to do the work and feel compelled to do the work. And that will make this, you know, lap around the globe make sense for me. Um, but it really was about the work. It was never really interesting. I, I like the money, but I was never really interested. <laughs> in <it. I> really <laughs> like the money.
1: I always said that you can everything between action and cut is what I'm here for. You can keep the rest, right? It's the, it's between action and cut is what, that's the the drug, right? That's the thing. You're, you're so going right,
0: dude, they can keep the rest and you can make a choice to let them keep the rest. You yeah. can give them the rest. You can just say, yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll show up and do the work because I love it. And I'll spend the money because I love it. And you know, the rest of it, you just have a lot of choices, how you decide to perceive the world and engage with it, you know? And if you don't, decide to be affected, Like, you know, we go to like a Comic-Con event, something like that, which is like a super magnitude environment, heightened environment. That's like the level, that's my only experience ever with level of fame and inconvenience with fame where it would feel prohibitive. I've only ever, outside of the context of Comic-Con, I've only ever experienced that once in my life, which was in the, in the aftermath of it becoming public that I was going to do 50 Shades of Grey. And I yeah. felt a really prohibitive level of inconvenience in my day-to-day life where I thought, God, I get like being Brad Pitt, you know, it's got a lot of benefits, but it also kind of sucks if you have to just navigate the real world.
2: I don't know if you remember this, Charlie, but I'm not, I can't remember what season we were in, but it had just been talked about and kind of announced and you were kind of on the fence, but you were on top of the fence and it was And you and I had some tea behind a trailer on set, and we were going to talk about what this actually meant for how we could even feel what it's going to mean for you, Charlie. And it was just the wildest thing to talk about my buddy, you, into your next step, into that kind of a thing, which was just a mind-blowing thing for you at that time. I'll never forget it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Confusing again. I mean, we don't have to get into the yeah. details of it because it's boring at this point. But, you know, it was a very confusing time. We we're deep into season five. I was deep into six months of of less, four months of monumental grief from losing my dad. And I got offered this thing that was very, very, very complex, you know, in a transitional point in my career and life and all of that. You all know, that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then season five, I mean, again, it's what, what happened with your dad, which, you know, I'm so glad that I got to spend time with him. And then, and then with Opie, with Ryan, it would just change. Things just change. And you're, now that we've watched it, like Jack's changed, right? Like he was a completely different person. There's, there if there's A D and B C, there's pre ob and after O.B., right? Like he's a different character from that exactly. way forward exactly. in a more is that, violent, is that, how
0: it, is that how it plays.
1: That how it plays. It like like
0: cute, a, like is a very yeah, just like very distinct transition.
2: Well, the, well, I, I gotta I gotta tell yeah. you, because Theo and I are now watching every show, we've talked about every show. I certainly didn't see it when I was playing take, and I certainly well, I didn't see it when I was even, even watching the show. But once you start watching the show and then Rossi and I are talking about it and all these gazillion people who love you, Charlie, talking every week about what they know. This is what I felt. It became clear that your choices as Jack's
1: from Opie's death became fucking insane. More laser and, and focused level, so level laser of focused. violence. The level then, of violence went up.
2: Yeah. And then Tara's death. It just took another gigantic. And now that we're near the end, Charlie, again, we've only got one show left to do. I don't know when you thought about this. Maybe you don't remember it, and nor should you. You were the lead of this show. You had so much going on. But Jacks Teller has come to an enormous piece. Yeah. His last mm-hmm. two or three shows of this show, mm-hmm. 1991 and 92. Again, Theo and I are going, holy fuck, look at this guy. Do you, do you remember any of that, Charlie?
0: I do. I well. I remember the experience of it. I remember I didn't talk to really anyone those last few episodes. I just listened to like really, really peaceful music and sort of like because I felt like, you know, we just still didn't know. I mean, I remember reading that final script and being devastated, like Mm -hmm. wailing. Reading it and being really surprised and having a yeah. moment of anger, like I wanted to protect Jax from Kurt. Like, <laughs> did you, you him, say anything I,
1: to man. him? Did you like call him up and be like, oh, "What are you I doing?" Process,
0: I processed it pretty quickly and went, "Let me read it again." I read it again and went, "Whoa, okay." You know, as like as we had all come to realize, like you had to surrender to it as much as we owned. These characters in their interpretation and, you know, moment to moment existence, you know, their fate was the sole arena of Kurt Sutter, you know? Yeah. So there was never anything to discuss. Like he was the word of God. If that was what was going to happen, it was that was what it was going to be. And I actually felt relieved, you know? I even, you know, I took that cut off and said, he, May he rest in peace. You know, Mm, I put the cut back on since then. I wouldn't. This maniac
1: just went back and played TIG. I don't know if you knew this, Charlie. I
0: did. did. It was on the list of things that I wanted to talk to you about. Charlie, just real quick. We won't go on about it.
2: But, Charlie, honest to God, bro, when I took that cut off, like you, the only person who knew where that cut was was my dog, Tara. Tara saw me put the cut where it put, and I never, I, I haven't seen it in seven years. I put it away. And then I get that call. Uh, my people go, yeah, they want you to come back as Tig. And I kind of went, what? I knew Tommy had done one show. And, of course, I knew DL and and Montez and some of these guys have been, Chucky, they've been on the show, and Emilio, of course. But Hanum, I'm not joking, bro. I had long hair. I had my shit going on from the movie I did. And I said I would. And I rode my bike. They picked up my bike. They made sure it was, like, the Tig bike. I still had it. And I had the same bad stance. I had the same knife. All my shit was with Emilio. We were crying like a couple of kids in high school. We couldn't believe we were actually doing this. Two old warriors smoking a cigarette, downtown LA, more helicopters, more ambulance, more people, more everything. We had to loop the entire fucking eight minute scene because it was just so noisy. We didn't give a fuck. It was so real. Charlie, it was bizarre. I can't even.
0: So you went in, was it just one scene that you did?
2: I did two scenes, one episode. Yeah. Wow.
0: How did just, it feel? Was it surreal to step back?
2: And I just said to Elgin James, who's the showrunner, he was with Curtin and he sort of took over. And I said to Elgin on the phone, I said, I'll do this as long as you write for me. You have to write for me. I, I had no interest in going and doing one line or two lines or breaking up a little fight. And he said, I'll do the best I can, bro. And one scene, Charlie, it was so wickedly funny and twisted and TIG-like in a hospital where I'm choking out one of these members. I throw flowers in his face. Uh, You don't know if I'm going to kiss him or kill him. And a nurse comes in and I said, we're just, you know, don't, don't, don't fuck this up. We're just having a little thing here. But it was just so funny and pure TIG-esque. And then the other one was with Emilio and it was just really special, but weird as shit. Wow. Wow. So that's going to
0: uh, in this coming season. That's just about just to Oh, It
1: already oh, aired it's about a month. It, already yeah, oh, it okay. was the finale. And, and oh, when yeah, we but... started this thing and then to see him do this, I was like, this is fucking so. No, it's bizarre. like you seeing that shooting star, Charlie,
2: for me and Theo to start this thing two and a half years ago, to culminate with talking with you. Now we can now put the ribbon on this whole thing. And for me, the irony of two and a half years ago, we didn't, pre- you couldn't predict that I was going to be on the Mayans. I mean, right. Tommy and I were the only leads that survived that show. Right. And so at the end, Theo and I are just going, what the fuck?
0: So what are you guys going to do now? I mean, this has become, this has become somewhat of an issue. Oh, no, we're done. We're we're putting it everybody.
1: It's the, the, they got so many views and so many fucking people watch it. And we love it. And the community, we, I mean, everything, there was apparel drops. There was like multiple apparel drops. There was all these different things. And people. um just to see the love of, of what we call now the Sam fam. Uh, They, they just, what, what, what I, what I'm so appreciate about what this show did for people and you've heard it and I've heard it a million times was, Hey, my father's no longer here. I used to watch it with him or, Hey, my family and I used to come around and, or at work, we would meet the next day and nobody could say anything. And we'd all talk about it is how it brought so many people together And this kind of re-energized them, right? That, That base to come back together and to hear me and this guy and then to have everybody on. And, you know, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about, but we're watching these things and we don't remember anything. Not a clue. And we're sitting there and we're like. Why the fuck would he do that? That's stupid. That's a stupid scene. Like that doesn't even make sense. We would do stuff. And then we'd watch us and go, I should have did that a million times. But that was fucking terrible. And then you just watch it and go, that's the hardest I've ever cried. That was, I, now I understand the level because I'm watching it as a fan, not as a person who was on it. So like where we're at right now, we just watched that episode where Gemma, you know, Unser and myself get, you know, killed off. And what we were saying, and we just on the last episode we did was Jax is like at peace, like just there was so much chaos, and then he's just calm, like calm in all ways. Nothing's impacting him. And it's while all this chaos is happening, there's this calm line through it. And I now understand the way fans reacted to it all, because the one thing Kurt did so brilliantly is you really never saw anything coming. You would watch it and then it just happened. And you go, what the fuck just did happened? You watch the episode the show,
2: happened? Charlie.
0: <clears throat> I haven't seen anything past. I think I saw the first three seasons. I don't think I saw anything in the foot and the back four, which was the wrong. you know, <laughs> <laughs> wrong side, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't watch the first three and watch the last four. Yeah. yeah. Do, you do you understand, Charlie? And I know you do, but because Theo and I are doing this fucking thing that we're doing here, people to this day, Charlie, have not watched the final episode of Sons of Anarchy. They they, they refuse. Is that they, right? Yeah. yeah. They never want it to end. And so they, they're in their head. They know it's over. But mm. as long as it's on their VCR there, they're never going to watch it. And this is still
1: alive. Yeah. He's still yeah. alive
2: in their head. This show, we're getting all these people, Charlie, coming out of the wood, we're going, oh, fuck, I guess I better watch it now because Kim and Theo are going are to talk about it. So let, I guess we better finally, it's over. It's wow.
0: Do you, can you, I'm just thinking about that, the, the way that felt in those last few episodes. Do you remember when we got the final episode? Like, so w- when we were shooting, say, there was 13 thirteen in the last season, right? So when yeah. we were shooting 11 and 12 Would we have gotten 13 by that point? Or were we so late back in those seasons? We were late. We were late, right? So we would have gotten it while we were shooting 12.
2: Mm -hmm. Correct. Maybe the last day that we were shooting 12. That was my recollection, that we were really close to
0: finishing 12. And then, yeah. And 12. I didn't know. I didn't know how it was going to end. Like, you know. I. He never
1: told you. Like, wow, we had,
0: that's we had both flirted around it. He had vacillated between wanting to tell me and not wanting to, and I'd vacillated between wanting to know and not wanting to know. So, but we ultimately he decided he didn't want to tell me, and I was happy with that decision. So, no, I didn't know. Uh, which is interesting and sounds great and just like that that was the choice. You
1: didn't know? Me. You oh. didn't know when you filmed 12?
0: Because you, I bounced out whenever we we all got the scripts wow. at the same time. The only thing, Kurt, the only time I ever got scripts a little bit earlier, I think, than you guys was Kurt would send me the first. He'd always write the first episode of the season. Yeah. And he would usually send me that before he sent it out to everyone. And then we would, he would, he would like to have a conversation. And that yeah. was sort of the, like, I would read that. Then we would meet and he would tell me what he was going to plan for the season. And that was like our beginning of the season ritual. And then I think we all used to get three episodes yeah. in hand when yeah. we actually started
2: the season. And right? then everything else <laughs> and, the
1: night before. And
2: yeah. then it got slower after that. And right.
1: I bet you, I bet you then also the calmness could come. And it's only because we just watched this. And I feel like I'm a fan right now was The calmness could come because you just found out about Gemma too. You just found out at the end of 11 that she's the one that did Tara. So it's like the whole world kind of changes in that aspect. So that's also another level that's added into it. It, I would have to
0: rewatch it. It might be really clear to me rewatching it, but I felt, I think even saying that I realized, I think it was about the liberation from the struggle. You know, that idea of like struggle and responsibility or liberation and freedom, you know, like the duality. And I think I was thinking a little bit about that, that it was all struggle and responsibility for him. And he realized like, oh, this thing is so broken, so irreparably broken that there's no fixing it. And with that comes liberation.
1: Yeah, because there's also the admittance to the other guys. We were just talking about the other presidents where you're like, I did jury. Like, again, because we're watching this. Him and I, if you have to realize how terrible this was when we first started this, we would just pick random episodes and we would record it. And <laughs> well,
2: Charlie, every comment, Charlie, we thought we had maybe five fans, maybe six people that wanted to kind of thousands do and so-
1: thousands of people would comment and go please watch them in order you sound like fucking idiots you guys have no idea what you're talking No, they would about. go like
2: this they would go we would go So the first three seasons so you guys pick they go se- ep- season two oh. episode one season three episodes and we go sure let's do that and we went what the fuck
1: i don't know what's going on i don't know where we came from i don't know what i'm talking about with, with
2: the- so you started
0: the beginning of season four doing them yeah. in, order, in order yeah
1: in order season four yeah
0: did you ever go back and do one through three in no, no the they're still there. there
1: they can watch them in order no they're they nice. none of them make sense
0: i just got to say this i don't want to be controversial i don't think the job's done
1: <laughs> no the job is done we <laughs> did we
0: those
1: to back now
0: behind fellas
1: we literally sit there and go, Why would Nero do that? That's not
2: why would he do that? That sounds no, Charlie. Let's cool. talk about this for a minute. Like, all the actors you worked with right on that show, like we talk about this Theo and I, but even the guest stars who came in, they just couldn't wait to come on and meet you and meet all of us. And we're all in our hardest head.
1: I ever left was with Hasselhoff, if that's what you're going to ask. <laughs> and that, I was just <laughs> going to ask that.
2: I don't know if you remember, but David Hasselhoff came in and played Short Dong or Long Dong. hardest I've
1: time. ever left.
2: Whatever. I mean, come on. Do you remember that? We were on stage. I remember, man. I'm still in therapy. Remember? He he turned on me. (laughs) Oh, he did! That's right! No, he did! He called called him
0: out. He (laughs) called you out! I was like... I wasn't innocent, but I certainly wasn't any more guilty than anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was... I've had two experiences with the Hasselhoff. I once... (laughs) <laughs> uh, went to Aspen Film Festival. My brother, who's like a real, you know, um, sort of like go getter, you know, I'm like, I, if I go place, I'm like, happy. I like, ah, will take a walk, or will figure it out. But he wanted to like get some stuff organized. We went out, and within an hour, we had uh, snowboarding. Attire rented and snowboards rented. In Aspen, yeah. and lessons for the next morning, and we're there at a film festival. And you know, we went out the night before, the night and and I wake up just horribly hungover. And I just say, like, obviously we're not going. Like, obviously, like if there's anyone else but my big brother, my bro's like, what do you mean? We're going, obviously we're going. No, 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 we're not. He's like, no, we are to so get up now. So we go, and we're on a bus and I'm like this. I'm like, on the bus, just like literally like a level 10 hangover. We get to the thing of like the thing, you know, the mountain that you got to start to climb up. And we're just getting around like this little circle where of like the people that are going to take this tutorial on how to snowboard. And we're like out there on the plains. there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to hide. And I had to puke. So I bent over and puked in the snow, and then picked up some snow to try to like try to hide it, to try to hide it, and then picked up some snow, and it was still dripping from my from my hands and down all of my rented snow gear. And I look up and Hasselhoff is coming down the mountain, and a tan. And glasses, and I am on my hands and knees, vomit all over. So, you know, I told him that story. So I thought we had like a rapport. You're
1: bonding. You thought you're bonding a little we bit.
0: We're bonding. I got some love, but no. Don't <laughs> don't fuck with the hoff.
1: Don't hassle the hoff. We learned don't that the hard.
0: Don't <laughs> hassle. Oh, come
2: on, and Boonie and everybody, come on, oh, Charlie. I mean, and you. I tell this story. This is fucking true. I didn't see you when you were learning to ride on your little dirt bike, but. You became the best rider of all this. I mean you, you sure. really did not not early, but by the end, you definitely became like the best rider. And I don't know.
0: I think I think DL and Boone are, pro- are probably better riders. Um, but I'll not- take th- I'll take third place.
1: You got the yeah. most tickets. I was definitely the fastest rider. <laughs> yeah. yeah. According talk- to
0: LAPD. <laughs> so do you guys still ride? What's up? What's I, up with the bikes? I do.
2: I don't think Charlie, I don't think, uh, no,
1: once I got the kids, you know, I made this vow to myself. I have the three bikes. They're just sitting in the garage at the ranch. Um, I went down in New York hard. I got hit Mm -hmm. by someone who was texting and uh, and I kind of went after the show after we dropped. Yeah. 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 I had my bikes in New York and I was trying to ride in like Manhattan and do all that. And I realized that um, texting is not conducive to motorcycle riding so i thought um and i was looking at kane and i just thought i don't want to go and like have him lose his dad that way on something that's not my fault so i think now maybe 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 one day you know i'll get like i don't know the bikes are just sitting there maybe i'll get like a triumph or something i don't know something easier like an old you honda mean, Charlie, or something. you ride
0: anymore I, I took it out for a couple I since we finished I got the heebie-jeebies uh right when we finished after spending my life on the bike that entire seven and a half years whatever it was you know uh I started to get a little bit of the fear and just like a bit of just feeling like I shouldn't yeah. you know and so I decided listen listen to the gut and so I stopped riding for a bit uh and then I, I took it out for a little bit but I also have been working a lot and they always request that i don't ride while i'm under contract you know so yep. but i i got a little place uh i got a little ranch recently too um, oh, amazing roads uh, up in san cines valley uh amazing. so the roads are beautiful up there so maybe yep. some sunday riding you know but i've been on four wheels i've been living, i've been having that pickup truck life i just just the last two weeks i just mm-hmm. bought a little uh ranger ford ranger oh, 2011 32 000 miles uh baby blue i love yeah. it because i bought this land and it's it's not paved uh so you know it's like you know we were taking my audi uh off off road up <laughs> around the land she was doing great
1: later
2: audi that's a lot
0: <laughs> she's not designed for that she's not audi. designed
1: for that yeah i mean that's the best thing and and then i mean i think that's different, right? Because you're not around other people and then you can get that enjoyment of riding. But you used to like go to the gym with your bike. You went everywhere with your bike. Grocery when store. You- I
2: didn't ride my, I didn't drive my car once basically in mm-hmm. eight years. Grocery no, store we, we, we used them to watch everybody. you, Adam. We used to watch you on those early morning, 5.30 calls. I'd be in the makeup trailer. We'd hear your bike pull up and no one's riding. It's like 32 degrees. Like what Charlie is. He rode the Comic-Con. Come, you You would come blowing in to the makeup trailer. And you would throw your knapsack down and you would just fucking huddle over yourself. And we would all stop and look at you and go, Do you want to talk to make sure you're alive? Do you remember those? You would just be so fucking cold. Oh, in the desert, cold.
1: going out to the desert in those mornings. Yeah, freezing. Oh, Amazing. God. Yeah, I remember you rode to Comic Con. I was like, Holy shit. I was like, He's going for it. That was a couple of hours to San Diego, right? What is that, like two and a half hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. Two hours. Yeah. I mean, again, hour and a half on the bike. Yeah, on good. the bike, a lot faster on the bike. Yeah, it was, and I think that was again the beauty of it all, and because I had only Kim, you rode, Boone rode, obviously DL rode, and Ron never rode. We we talked to him about that all the time, and never will, never. make you remember? No, he didn't take it up post-show. No. No. no, I don't even think he wants to say it. To he, say didn't the
2: take, he didn't take it up on the show, let alone post-show. Do you
1: he remember, remember when he showed up? Remember when they brought that three-wheeler with the two wheels in the front and the one in the back? They were giving him lessons on that. I was making so much fun. I was like, is this what it's come to? But yeah. listen, he, we talked about it. He had a crazy one where he almost, when he went down and then Boone went down, that's the one we always talk about. That was the worst one for right, us. Owner on that corner yeah
2: that was a bad one
1: he hated that bike and i he, love the way he was that on that, went.
2: that that big ape handled freaking harley that never ran well and he lost it on the rocks so he went right into a big one and he got real lucky he could have really i
1: can't believe well, they well, never so, put that in contract
2: you
0: know, <clears throat> the problem was with him riding that bike in the, in the pack is he, I mean, he did so well that that was the only accident. Oh. We all had bikes. that just handled so well. And then he's trying to ride the same way, keep up with us and yeah. ride riding that dog. And yeah. that was a tight corner and there was a bunch of sand on it. And yeah. he worked uh, yeah. pretty hard. He freaking did. <laughs>
1: yeah. They, you know, it was funny when talking to Maggie, like she was, she didn't realize so much of like, you know, the chaos. Cause she would come in, she'd have these beautiful scenes with you, you know, she'd have her scenes with Gemma. If you looked at all the outtakes, all the outtakes are like her and Gemma, you know, having their laughs and doing whatever and Wendy. And then she was gone from all like the, the really Bad. dark stuff, like the burnings of the back and the cutting someone's nuts. Like she wasn't there for any of that. Mm. And she was there for more of like the, 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 like the lighter stuff, but also super heavy for her, right? In the way it went. So it was her, it was funny listening, to her experience. And she was so incredible when we got to talk to her. her experience was so wildly different from ours.
0: Yeah. Hearing it. Cause it was so contained. She would come in for a day, day and a half a week. She'd be in the air conditioned, you know, usually in either the hospital or one of the, the, the house or, you know, Tara and Jackson's house. It, the, the real madness of us. And the thing that I think about a lot that, sort of uh, colors the memory of that for me it was just the fact that we shot in the summer. I would say on average, three and a half days a week, we were outside from sunrise to sunset and yeah. just the blazing, blazing sun. Uh, you know, it was like a war. Yeah. Of and, against the element. And
2: your character, Charlie, was really the only one who went between the twosomes with you and like Tara or you and your mom and then all the guys. Yeah. Like you, you really had the whole circumference of the biker world, the outlaw world, and then the, the gals world. And they were just as tough as we were, but yeah. honestly, truly you got to
1: do kind of both. It's and like so, two different shows and you were able yeah. to be in both. Yeah. That must've been different.
0: Working with, with Maggie. I think she's just extraordinary. It was just so much fun and so open and filled with love. And, you know, we had a really nice time, you know, for, really from the whole time, but You know, is once we got like once that sort of relationship gained traction, and we sort of, you know, the writing became really interesting and complex. You know, we we really enjoyed working together.
2: Well, we really were so happy, Theo and I, when we started to obviously you, and and Ronnie and 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 Maggie to come on this thing for the last big three. We we didn't we knew we hopefully we had time to get you and we did and we're fucking it's unbelievable, but Maggie. No. you know what i mean she's very she's the white, she's the white whale you know
0: <laughs> she's, the white whale she's kind
2: she, of so yeah she, she said to us straight up if you wouldn't have asked me i would have slapped you both like come on of course oh. I she's she like you wait.
1: guys never include me in anything and we were like max you just kind of <laughs> you know you're, she's doing her thing and again i've had a few scenes with her right where she ran over my bike and you know juice was kind of with her a little at the end but you, it was, I remember you would tell me once, like you were going, it was so much calmer when you were with them, right? Like you go in the house, you just be doing these great, like it's like all these acting scenes, and then there would be all the action and chaos, right? Like in the yeah, killing. That's yeah.
0: It was so schizophrenic, those two experiences because we often had the babies too. Like oh yeah, you guys, I don't know, you guys would be startled how quiet that set was when you went around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the jackals. Yeah. When the jackals are Where around. Are the jackals, you know? man. Yeah. It's so true because it was so quiet because of the kids and all that. Just a different experience. Different yeah, we weren't Do, there for anything.
0: Do you know what was a big transition too? And I I still, like the clubhouse, that second clubhouse was never the same. When we lost the, that initial clubhouse.
1: Yeah. You And you oh, can tell. You can tell in the show. I mean, we we have like behind the scenes footage of us all filming when the other one got blown up. Yeah, we were all watching it. Like we were all up, like you know, on these cars and on different things, like watching. We were on fire trucks, almost like watching this thing go up. I remember. That and Tony mystery. Medina, God, God rest his soul. You know, Medina had designed like when we went in there and that thing was blown up. And I remember just thinking, like, fuck, like this, like how <laughs> <laughs> amazing timing, is man. this? Yeah. What, yeah, what and season was that what?
0: What season was
2: that? <sighs>
1: Four, it right. might, have been five. Uh, might have been five. Four. No, I think all this
2: five. shit happened in five. Five? No, it was think- five because it was st- still there when Opie was alive because we took him. I remember that.
1: Yeah. I think right, five well, listen, is the turning Listen, yeah.
2: Charlie. Charlie, come on. Like, thank fucking Christ you came on and you were available. Yeah. to Say hi because you're. Thank you guys for inviting you're our, me. You're our fucking king, bro. And yeah. that show, Theo and I had no idea really what it still means to people today. And it's mental around the world. Honestly, Charlie. Yeah, no, I feel it. I feel it. And, you know,
0: who knows? That might be a little unfinished business. I, I feel like there could be a little thing, little way for us all get together for one last hurrah. So <laughs> I feel like everyone should just watch this space. I got, you, I got a little you something.
2: produce your hat on.
0: I got a little something. I got a little something. We're not going to say anything else, but... We Good. might need to get the band back together one more time.
1: Yeah, uh, fucking wait. Listen, man, you were you were, and I'll tell you this from the heart, and we've said this, bro. I I don't think there's anybody in the world that could have held that fucking show together the way you nope. did with all the chaos. Nope. your your stamina, the way you did. I remember once we were all away when Kim crashed the RV, or it might have been you, whoever crashed the RV. It was uh, me. Charlie was there with. We were all there. Well, whoever crashed, I remember we were all went into like a restaurant and everybody was in jackal mode and and Charlie turns us and goes, would you just fucking act normal and everyone calm down and he like we all looked at him and he like he had to calm us all down and we were all adults yeah. spanning from like 30 to 50 I and like,
2: I, I number one in the call sheet That just opened his mouth and went okay fuck yeah Shut just calm
0: you.
1: the calm fuck down. In.
0: we're in public fellas in
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it was Bloody just bud. so so it was it was the best and uh yeah maybe it is unfinished business who knows but well, we, yeah just, we did. appreciate you brother and uh Love i'll see you Charlie. Yeah.
0: I, re- I love you guys. And yeah. I think it's fantastic you did this. And have a great time finishing it out. Congratulations. This yeah. is an epic undertaking. One more. We'll
2: All right. See you soon, Charlie. Love you, buddy. Love you,
1: brother. We'll see you love
2: soon. Family. All
0: right. Much love to
2: you guys. Bye-bye. You, bud.
1: Later, bro. There
2: it is. We're still recording. Okay. That was just the best. Yeah. I'm at peace now. I'm at peace. I'm at peace now. Maybe there's we, unfinished
1: we, business. We, we Who needed, knows what the unfinished business is? That's another
2: thing. But this thing, this Reaper Review thing, I'm at peace now. honeymoon came on. Too. We knew he would. We didn't know when. Near the end, we have one more show to go. And it's the final, final, final show of Sons of Anarchy to talk about in two weeks.
1: Wow. What awesome. a great thing. What a great thing for everyone. And what a, you know, if you're a fan of something, I imagine that you know, and you get all this response as well of like how this has helped people, how it right. has, you know, changed things for them. And they don't care if like they can't see me because the light's so bright. They don't care if right. your fucking sound sounds like you're calling from an alien spaceship. Exactly. No one gives a shit because our motto has always been who cares. Yes. And, you know, today I think people are going to care because I think that We wrapped it up and we had everyone, we had them all. We had it all. We went through it. And uh, what a crazy fucking journey. You and I will talk about it on the last episode, but this whole thing, nothing's ever planned. I can't even. I'm just so
2: happily excited and exhausted from this whole fucking thing. But to have those 14 or 15 peeps on that we did have during the two and a half years, epic. Good for, Good for us. Good for you, Rossi. Good, Good for Charlie you. For coming on. Fucking A. Good for you. All sure. right,
1: I'm out. Yeah, Family I'm out period. too. Hey, uh, send love.
2: I know where you are. Keep hitting it out of the park. It's a fucking exciting time for you.
1: It's exciting. Reaper crew right. in the house. I love you, brother. Give Talk a, a of days. Love, love to you, the bro. fam. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. You know the deal theory pod hashtag theory pod capital t-h-e-o small r-y capital p-o-d if we're talking reaper reviews it's the hashtag reaper reviews with the double r go everywhere where the where this podcast is available and go subscribe and follow apple spotify google iheart wherever and uh and then if you want to see the videos go on to youtube and subscribe to the page we got some cool stuff coming um Like I always say, this life goes by in a blink. So stay up, stay awake, keep being the example, Um, and let's keep making a difference. All right? All right. Hey, yo. Shout out to my crew, the Theory Team. The Team, okay? Starting with my incredible editor, Caroline Kawash to the incredible design skills of Cesar Arvello, to the other designer slash web slash everything, Justin Tordella, go look them up, go follow them, go thank them. They're an incredible team, and I wouldn't be even remotely able to do a second of this without them. So shout out to the entire Theory team, uh, or as we say in New York, big up. Um, incredible people, incredible humans, and I'm fortunate and proud
2: to have them.